Welcome to Can I Kick It? This is a podcast about film festivals. My name is Jesse Weber, and I am joined by... Andy Germuka. Number one far-foot quad stand, Kellen Ashley. <laughs> Emilio Diaz. All right, today we're uh, doing a bunch of housekeeping. We're uh, previewing the... <laughs> hey, uh... That's not the framing we agreed to. What? The framing oh, we agreed we're to. We're doing the fall festival preview blowout. The big fall festival preview blowout, folks. Hold on to your butts. It's going to be a blowout. I think it might be a small fall festival preview blowout, but we'll see. Big heart, but small yes. episode length is the hope. That's true. Um, yeah, a little treat for your Labor Day weekend. The fall mm-hmm. festival preview blowout. It'll be the length of a fish song. <laughs> if yes. we're lucky. <laughs> So, where are we starting off today, Jesse? You want to tell the people uh, what this is? I don't know. Let's start off. Uh, we want to start off talking about Berlin for thirty seconds. Sure. Hell yeah! Yeah, they uh, they're uh, um, instead of doing no, best actor and actress, they're gonna do uh, gender neutral uh, lead and supporting. Sounds great. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's the like the 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 thing that people always get worried about is like it it's gonna cut down on the number of acting awards, and many of these festivals are in the position of they only give out two acting awards anyway, so they can just change it to lead versus supporting instead of gendered, which uh, is is you know a plus. Good job. Keep keep it keep yep. it up. As you know, these institutions start doing it, it'll catch on, and soon it'll just be the norm, which is what you hope for. You know. Yep. Yeah, and like hopefully, you know, both winners don't go to men. But also, you know, I feel like it's one of the situations where the benefits outweigh the potential yeah. down points. Yeah. I feel like we're like at enough place as a at a culture and just like the sorts of directors and people who get invited to be juries of these things, where like they'll probably pick a diverse group, right? Right. And it's and it's such a benefit to the like non like the non-binary people out there who yeah. are who might be discounted if things continue to be gendered. Yeah, I mean, and that, yeah, that's the other element, is that it, it because it is a jury, they can be very conscious of, like, making sure that they are right. uh, aiming for some sort of parity and not just everyone just blindly voting and see, like, where the numbers fall. Right, um, and they also, yeah. you know, on the off chance that they are, like, we feel really strongly about these two male performances, they can say that and be like, we hope this isn't the norm. We happen to feel really strongly about these two performances. I mean, and also, you know, you, they do ties at festivals. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it seems... I mean, sure, yeah. I would say it is not likely, especially in the first yeah. year, that two male performances will win these awards. It's like Canada this was in the same position of like they have best actor and best actress, so it's like interesting to see whether they pivot. A lot of other major film festivals do similar things. Like, yeah. It's gonna be interesting to see if the rest of the world reacts or maybe they don't. Who knows? 
Yeah. Respect to the MTV Movie Awards for blazing the trail right. on that front. Exactly. I believe also the Television Critics Association has been gender neutral like almost since their inception as well. So so good on hey. to that. Yep. Yeah. We've got a couple of additions to the Venice lineup that I don't think we've talked about. Uh, there's the new, the one that's like a new new thing is I don't think we've talked about that there's a uh, a Pedro Almodovar short starring Tilda Swinton uh, that's going to be at Venice as well as the uh, uh, Regina King's directorial debut which we talked about when we talked about the TIFF lineup that got added to Venice retroactively mm-hmm. you know uh, I don't know if we want to do this right now it's fun that you bring up uh, the Almodovar short because the first time we talked about it on this podcast is way back on our Too Early Can Predictions episode. Mm. So should we... Sure. That's a bit of housekeeping, I think. Sure. That's a little, yeah, we, a little can, we can wrap up our can predictions and then we can end the world. episode by making some new predictions. Colin, would you like to take to the lead back, on this? Yeah, so, you know, think back all the way to, I think, uh, late February, early March. Uh, we're predicting what's going to win the Palme d'Or at Cannes, uh, talking about the Oscars. Uh, you know, Parasite had just won the uh, former Palme d'Or winner winning Best Picture at the Oscars. And, uh, you know, Omaldivar was there with Paid and Glory talking, and I believe it was like a red carpet interview where he's talking about that he had this short with Tilda that right. he was doing. Um, so we, uh, did all of our predictions for what we thought would be the Palm d'Or. Jesse, I think had a lot of predictions for what would have been there. Yes. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of these didn't come to fruition as there was no Cannes Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone except for me, <laughs> their movie that they picked is going to be seen this year by people. <laughs> um, Andy picked Chloe Zhao's Nomadland, which is all over the fall festival lineup, you know? Yes, was like the movie that united all the fall festivals. Like, exactly. it was so special. They put out a special press release that they were like, "We're all going to share this movie because it's so special." Mm-hmm. It's supposed uh, to be premiering at uh, both uh, Toronto and Venice on the same day as a little nine eleven treat. All right, <laughs> um, <laughs> don't like that uh, phrase. <laughs> Jesse picked. Uh, from the theme song, My Win, uh, the film DNA. Um, Which is the one movie that, that is on the can lineup. Can lineup yeah, in air lineup, quotes of our predictions. Yeah, they're like, we would have played it. Uh, yeah. um, it was on there. And it's having its premiere at the Deauville Film Festival. Um, yeah. Emilio, another one. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to make a dumb joke. Continue, Colin. <laughs> Another one that's all over this uh, these fall festivals is Gianfranco Rossi's Naturno, uh, which I believe Emilio picked just because uh, Gianfranco Rossi had won the Golden Lion and the Golden Bear and was thinking he needed to have the third trophy. And there was a lot of discussion of how he organizes his trophies that he's won. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember this. That sounds sure. like a good bit. I don't recall it specifically. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do remember it a bit. And like, listen... Sometimes you just believe in winners. Yeah, you know. He's a winner. <laughs> uh, 
We yeah, this is the thing. I don't know. We might have new listeners. We used to do predictions a lot, <laughs> where we <laughs> predicted what would one uh, what would have won Sundance, uh, Berlin. I think Andy called the Golden Bear winner. I did. Uh, Still but, my crowning uh, glory of of this podcast. Yeah. Um, my most distinguished moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the one time he was right. <laughs> hey now. Um. Uh. We yes. We 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 were we were regularly doing predictions, even like fairly silly ones. But then eventually things, like the the results stopped happening in the world, so we stopped making predictions yeah. because there was nothing <laughs> to predict anymore. I believe, uh, just like for whatever context of our podcast, in contrast with the world, on the episode where we wrapped up Berlin. We were like, it's crazy that South by Southwest is shutting down because coronavirus. And then, like, the next week, the entire world had shut down. Yep. Yes. Which is just crazy to think about. Canary in the coal mine, South by Southwest. Yeah. Um, and then my pick was Paul Verhoeven's Benedetta, which uh, I think, like, third year running is not playing can. <laughs> um, next year. But, hey, we'll see. I here, mean, right? yeah. Yeah, we'll see if there's a if there if there is a next year. <laughs> Jesse um, keeps getting Lucy with the football about Benedict. <laughs> 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 the uh, and then weirdly, you know, like a premonition for what would come for our podcast. Uh, we everyone was predicting like what sort of summer anomalous movies would have played can like out of competition, which would like turn into our. Uh, can blockbuster episodes um and there's some fun predictions of like oh all these movies are either like straight to vod or pushed till next year because we've got spiral from the book of saw i think is the subtitle <laughs> yes um a woman in the window which you know hopefully i think netflix has that right they were yeah. at least in talks of selling it i don't know if the all the ink is dry on that deal but uh <laughs> i would expect it to to fall fall through, to, to pull through. yeah um Andy threw out F9. Um, Artemis Fowl, I think, was another Andy pick. Uh, you know, Soul was on there, Pixar movie that was, you know, also along with uh, DNA, like, slated that Can was like, yeah, we would have had this. Yeah, um, unclear as to whether it would have been. Exactly. Right. There is, not, but, there uh, were little whispers that maybe Soul was going to be the first Pixar movie in competition. Just, uh, just little whispers. <laughs> uh, Jesse, Who's I think this? also uh, uh, that's Lil Whispers. That's Lil Whispers. <laughs> Lil Whispers, the Can Wizard. <laughs> oh, uh, maybe not the best name for that. <laughs> um, um, the Jesse also picked uh, Irresistible, the John Stewart movie. Uh, I think Scoob was an Andy pick. These are movies that are all out. Uh, and then some that like you know they get pushed. Yes. Till next and no, year. Knowing what I know now, like I wouldn't have picked Scoob because Scoob is not a DreamWorks movie. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Minions: The Rise of Gru. Uh, it would have been nice to see like Steve Carell come out with a bunch of inflatable minions behind him, as I'm sure they would yes. have done at Cannes. Stewart, uh, Kevin, Bob, Bob, the oh. whole Wrecking Crew. <laughs> <laughs> They're there. It'd be like uh, when Andre the was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just. Hanging out on the beach, catching a tan. Think of all the fun photo opportunities they could have had with Bob. And Stewart. look, you know, is Bob the turtle of the minions? 
I uh, 100%, whichever <laughs> the one with one eye is. <laughs> um, <laughs> the uh, no, what I think that's the tall skinny one. That's got to be Johnny Drama. <laughs> um, no, the t- tall is the heaven that his name is Kevin. That is exa- <laughs> exactly right. That's right. And look, Kevin Dillon right there. <laughs> um, and then of course Gru is Vince. Um, and then you sure. know there was other picks in the Heights. Uh, that may, that could be uh, there. That makes sense as like, a, God, you know, a blockbuster I'm so sad movie. That we don't get to see in the Heights this year. I keep watching that trailer and like tearing up at like not being able to see that movie. <laughs> and then uh, the last one. Who knows what could have happened if Top Gun Maverick was there? That to me seems like a. I don't know. I guess it may, I don't know if it's good or not. But that to me like we got the Tom Cruise and the John Hamm and the Miles yeah. Teller and they're all here wearing suits. Yeah, right. you know. Watch the planes go fly fast. Yeah, that one yeah. probably makes the most sense. I don't know. Is there uh, anything else that, like, I mean, this is a real, like, what could have been that we already didn't talk about? I think we I, named all of the options. Uh, yeah, that's like, I believe you guys just went down the list of, like, what had summer premieres. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was... Uh, that was our can predictions from like four or five months ago. Uh, a different world, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. But I thought it'd be fun to uh, look back in, at the past and our what we had talked about. I've got some go to... uh, some big oh, breaking news. I just got an email, and uh, Shake Shack has hot chicken now. <laughs> you scumbag! <laughs> scumbag! <laughs> <laughs> what a piece of garbage <laughs> uh, For the listener We're still waiting I'm cutting to see this out. <laughs> Whether we are accredited at New York Film Festival or not And so that is uh, We're hopeful that we'll hear soon So that's what's going on With that With Jesse yeah. being a real jerk Yeah uh, we don't even. Most of us don't have access to Shake Shack. What do you? Do? I mean, yeah, this is a double burn. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that Shake Shack would deliver to me. There's not a particularly close Shake Shack. I just happened to get emails right. from them. So we talked about in the past. Uh, we've done a. We did our episode about uh, Venice and Tiff. And uh, New York was sort of the outlier for, like, the fall festival lineup. Yeah, they just, because they're the last one, they announce a little later. So, yeah, I think we're just going to go through the main slate, and there will be things that we have something to say about and things that we have less to say about. Uh, So, uh, we, um, on our TIFF episode, we talked, or sorry, our Venice episode, we talked about how there was, like, a surprising lack at, like, TIFF and Venice combined of, like, Stuff that had played Sundance and stuff that had played Berlin already, and New York picked up yes. a lot of those Berlin uh-huh. especially. Yes, which Big. is uh, cool. Sundance still a little less, I think, partially because A twenty four, with the exception of On the Rocks, which is in the uh, the spotlight section at New York, A twenty four is continuing to skip festivals, and I think that's just because uh, On the Rocks is. The, one of their Apple ones, Apple. and so that's right. gonna. Yes, they, if they anyone has any, if anyone, yeah, if any listener out there has any insight into what A24's strategy is, yeah, I mean, know. I think they... my my assumption would be is that like it already had one festival premiere, and I don't, and it's like if they're just going 
like if they're playing for VOD releases, then it might not make sense for them to do multiple virtual festivals, except for On the Rocks, which is a movie that they are debuting. Well, I don't think they're going for VOD releases necessarily for any of their stuff. My thought then, is then I think that... it makes even less sense. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think what the Zola trailer came out and it's like, you know, coming, coming someday. Like, right. They like yeah, played they with like, like a little it was bit. Specifically, it was like, gonna, was it going to be 2020, 2021? And then it just yeah. said soon. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah. my impression is that they are just like, we're not, with the exception of, I think, First Cal, because yeah, that, that had gotten out. that kind of... And it played, like, three festivals already. Well, yeah. also, and it had kind of gotten that, like, half release in Exactly, March. right, 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 yeah. So I, I think with the exception of that, they're just, like, not interested in the virtual space. So, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, let's start off with the, uh, the opening film, uh, which is Steve McQueen's Lover's Rock. Uh, this was one that uh, we were maybe kind of waiting to see when it was going to show up because it was on the can list, which means it was going to come out this year, but right. was not at uh, Toronto, which was a little surprising. They had the Widow's premiere last time he had a movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, they've got there's three Steve McQueen movies. Uh, right, all, all the, part of his Small Axe Amazon yeah. anthology so it's, series. It's a little over about. half of the series. Yes. Uh, this this one, The Lover's Rock, is, I, I think, the shortest one that's playing at the festival. It's only 68 minutes. Yeah, I, I think there's another one that's in that same general area. Yeah. And then there's Man, a longer yeah. one that's... Yeah. Uh, Mangrove was going to be Mangrove yeah. Mangrove was going to be two episodes, I think, and was just turned into one film. Uh, but yeah, so these are all these are all exciting. Yeah, excited to see. It. I guess we, we also they have an Amazon premiere date, right? Well, yeah, uh, it's unclear yeah, it's like... if it's going to necessarily if they're going to release them all at once or if they're going to release them weekly. But in uh, on Entertainment Weekly's like uh, fall uh, TV premiere calendar, they have uh, November thirteenth is the date for Small Axe. Yeah. yeah, I think it's like a joint thing with BBC. Yes, as it well. is. Yeah, so they're going to be out there soon. Yes, um, I guess. I imagine, like, I am curious what, like, Amazon doesn't really have anything else. It, will they try to campaign them for movie awards, or will they just stick to TV awards? Excellent I don't, I'm question. Curious. Um, My guess, Golden Globes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Split the difference. Uh, I mean, my I mean, my guess would be tell it's television. My guess is like if they're releasing it as a miniseries and 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 like billing it that way, I don't see yeah. how any sort of it's like like what is the Oscar rule that like they at some point had to have a planned theatrical release? These clearly like I don't think they did since it yeah. is a BBC co-production, right? So it's like yeah, I mean, I guess it might fall under like the Black Mirror rules where they'll all play in TV movie categories. Indivi they'll, 
they'll submit the individual episodes in TV movie categories, which Netflix does with Black Mirrors, that are, I think, the minimum is, like, it has to be, like, 62 minutes or what, or 61 minutes or whatever. Um, so I think... And like, I... Yeah. And, like, as you said about Mangrove, that it was, like, it was, it's supposed to be two episodes and they just made it into one movie. Like, I don't know, maybe the, when it's on Amazon, it'll just be two episodes of a thing, so... Right, part one and part two, maybe. Um... Who knows? Yeah. I'm excited for more Steve McQueen stuff. Exactly, yeah. Excited. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's so, We're getting so much of it. There's going to be yeah. so much, like, it's, like, going to, like, triple his, like, output of, like, how much, I, how many hours of filmed entertainment he's put out. That's true. Um, I uh, am definitely excited for it, and I don't want to, like, say this as a uh, negative. I hope that some of it is, like, as fun as Widow's is. <laughs> It seems like it's not going to be, which, like, I mean, his other stuff is great, obviously. It's just, like, Widows was such a surprise because it's, like, a bit of a blast. (laughs) And it's, like, this crazy heist movie that I was, like, oh, wow, I didn't know that he was, like, fun. Um, Uh, They don't see them. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the three that have been, like, announced what they are, and I believe they're all, like, part of this not grand... um, idea but it's like all similar theme like they're all like about, i think it's like, yeah it's of... like it, it's like exploring the same community throughout time i think is like the yeah. hook. like it's like looking which at i mean areas. that opens up windows like lover's rock seems to be uh like a pretty like uh straightforward romance just from like what the description is um yeah but um, uh yes We'll see, see for sure, obviously. Excited to see Mm -hmm. it and talk about it and Mm -hmm. all that stuff. So here is some actual news that I have found that is about the New York Film Festival, though not about accreditation, which is that uh, they do have a schedule out now, which gives more info as to what their strategy is. So they... uh, some of the films will have drive-in screenings. They're using uh, Rooftop Films's uh, Brooklyn and Queens drive-ins. Uh, and those are mostly just, like, one film a night. Uh, the Like, the, uh, the opening centerpiece and closing, which we'll get to in a second, are playing at both uh, drive-in theaters. Uh, and then mo- everything that is on this list is almost everything. Sorry. most Almost all of it's available virtually. Uh, there's like a documentary that's only driving is all I've caught so far. Uh, and then so the virtual things, most of them have like a four to five day window of when you can watch them. So that kind of will be helpful as to like scheduling stuff. Uh, yeah. And then there's a few things that like uh, Lover's Rock is one of them. Uh, there's a couple of documentaries. Uh, um another one of the other McQueens that have four hour windows during which you can watch hmm. them. Uh, so that will be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess that, I, yeah, so that, that seems, yeah, that, I guess that seems about what I expected in yeah, terms of how I their agree. availability works. I guess the question does become like, 
what is their capacity for each of these movies what how many, i how uh um a post on a forum from jordan Ralph who uh, works at Film and Lincoln Center, he said it will be a similar capacity to what it would be if they were having in-person screenings. So I don't know if that's, like, just the virtual or if, like, virtual plus drive-in is going to add up to roughly what it would be. But, like, hopefully it will be similarly accessible to normal Though I guess it might be rough because there'll be more people. That's, I mean, yeah, if it, you got everyone in the whole country competing right. yeah. for these, for the size yeah. of so, a Lincoln Center theater. Yeah, um, might be a little rough. Yeah. We'll see. I, and I believe, I've looked at the whole list now, I believe the only movie that does not have a virtual screening is the... Uh, the documentary in Spotlight, which is uh, co-directed by Lisa Cortez and Liz Garbus, that uh, called All In the Fight for Democracy, which is an Amazon movie that I think is going to be on Amazon later this year. Uh, that like the the big thing is that uh, there's a lot of interviews with Stacey Abrams in it, right? Uh, Liz Garbus did, I think, the Nina Simone documentary for Netflix. She's done all sorts of stuff. She had her uh, fiction debut. uh, Was it Sundance with Amy Ryan? And then uh, premiered on Netflix in, like, March. Yes, and and there's also been, like, I've heard good things about uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Oh, is that her as well? Yeah, I believe so, that she did work on the the HBO documentary series. Mm-hmm. about the golden state killer yeah yep should we move on to our second movie on this lineup yeah yeah <laughs> it's uh, uh nomadland. yeah 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 well we've talked about so already it's it's, it's right. nomadland everywhere right yep um yeah chloe Zhao. big 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 festival run yeah Fran- francis mcdormand sounds good i imagine it will be a big oscar contender but we'll see. Yeah. People seem excited about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll say, like, uh, when ta- both this and Lovers Rock, like, when Dennis Lim has talked about them, like, he seems really, especially Lovers Rock, like, he did an interview with uh, Jordan Cronk where, like, he was really hyping up Lovers Rock as, like, Maybe this speaks to what you were saying about like there being some element of like the fun that's in Widows. He was saying okay. that it's like it's very much like it is like a very like serious movie with a lot on its mind, but also it is a good opening movie because it is like a very kind of accessible, crowd friendly movie. Yeah. That was like, I mean, maybe fun was a bad word to use sure. for it. Because, like, I do think Widows, like, like you're saying, similarly has, like, a lot on his mind. Yes. It's just, like, uh, his other movies are, like, very, um, like, they're just, he, he does movies about, like, very serious subjects. And, like, right. you know, he's good at what he does. I think he's a really good filmmaker, obviously. But uh, Widows, like, when I saw it, I was like, oh, this movie's, like, funny and, like is like very cool so like what yeah like what you're saying like he's able to blend that well and maybe he's just 
even getting better at blending the two. And maybe here, uh, looking at the uh, first sentence of the little festival blurb, uh, they describe Lover's Rock as a movie of tactile sensuality and levitating joy. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that... And it seems... Yeah. It's... It's set yeah, like, at like a house party exactly. in 1980, and there's like a lot of music. So yeah, yeah. this is gonna rule. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the closing, the closing film yeah. is uh, French Exit, which is the yes. maybe most the most kind of like out of nowhere one, uh, directed by Azazel Jacobs, who I believe his last movie was The Lovers, uh, for. A24, which starred Deborah Winger, Winger and yeah, Letts. and Tracy Letts. Right. Tracy Letts is also in this movie, which stars uh, Lucas Hedges and Michelle Pfeiffer. As... Based on the uh, Patrick yes. DeWitt book. Yes. He wrote, there's a cat. Uh, there's a cat. A part of the, of the story. And do... Is it like a spoiler about the cat? I feel like I it's been so. heavily publicized. Yeah. So I said Tracy Letts is in this as well. He's the cat. Yep, he's a very handsome black cat. I'm going to start a rumor that he did mocap for the cat. I think he did a full yeah. circus. Sure. I'm going to start a rumor that he thought it was written by the Coen brothers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it I mean... keeps happening. Right, the cat is named Small Frank. So, yeah. I've known a big Frank or two in my day. Come Good on. to know a small one. Um, <laughs> it is funny, uh, like if we're if we're just gonna like read through some of the blurbs and like get, try to like figure out like how these movies are positioning themselves. What like the interesting part of it is, like the ending of the French exit blurb is called out a brilliant central performance, which leads one to believe that it is Michelle yes. Pfeiffer because yeah. that is the person who has more like blurb. Yeah the more blurb forward and it's like as a as a as Azel Jacobs is like not a filmmaker of note necessarily so it is interesting that they pulled this movie to be at this spot but I guess if like if it's the start of the Pfeiffer songs or whatever and it's like they're positioning like a big comeback for her at, with I mean, this movie then it's then that certainly warrants the spot that it's getting here would absolutely be here for that yeah. yes so I've I, gotta yeah, say, I, she's yeah. been popping up and stuff. Yeah, she's been I mean, good, if but... there is a Pfeiffer's aunt, it starts with mother. Right. This is the culmination. Yeah, I, think, I guess so. But I mean, there. Uh, yeah. Well, it, I mean, yeah. It we... hit a little pause for maybe a couple <laughs> years. I don't. I don't the, know uh, if a, I, I don't know if a sans can start with a movie that little people saw or enjoyed. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, because yeah. like the uh, the reconnaissance starts with like that William Friedkin movie that everyone. Oh, Killer Joe. Yeah. Yeah. But people like Killer Joe. Yeah, and people, people like, mother. like Mother. I mean, look, we'll talk about it. I mean, um, I think Mother's good. Right. That's the. That's exactly. Patrick... You'd have to. I um, believe that you, if you were to defend Killer Joe, you'd be defending it against a bunch of people who don't like it, much like Mother. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, yeah. The she did Mother. Uh, she, she, uh, um, and then she's, like, popped up in a couple of bigger, higher-profile stuff. She was in right. The Murder on the Orient Express. She's in, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. She's the Wasp, or, uh, Janet Van Dyne, in which she's very good. 
uh, and uh, has such a cool look in those movies. I love the way she looks in those movies. Um, and yeah, this would be, I mean, it would be cool. Like, I think there's sort of been a lot of rumbling of like, should we really have to give her her due? Finally, yes. and uh, it would I would be full on board a a project but, uh, that and, lets us do that. Andy, Andy, this is so disrespectful to the Mistress of Evil. Yeah, you did leave out one important. Oh, of course, she was the villain in uh, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. I believe yes, uh, in which she you know she wears a a crown. She's also got some good looks in that movie. She's got a lot of good looks recently, is what I will say. Uh, yeah, Patrick DeWitt is like uh, getting adapted like back uh, a lot recently. You know, uh, Sisters Brothers was him. Uh, there's like the been in the talks for a while that Kelly Reichardt is doing his novel under Major Domo Minor, uh, which is like a crazy that. book for. Yeah, I mean, it would be such an insane Kelly Reichardt movie. I would wonder what she would do with it because I know like she adapts things and then we'll just like cherry right, pick. Yeah. So I'd be curious to see what she does, but um. Yeah, I've read uh, French Exit. It's good. Cool. I like Patrick DeWitt and all of his movies. You know, uh, Sisters Brothers Rules. We've talked about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, next movie on the list is a uh, Georgian movie called Beginning by a female director named Dea Kolumbagashvili. Uh, that uh, was on the can list as well uh, that I've heard really, really strong buzz uh, about. I mean, obviously, like, for your debut to be, for it to have been, you know, it's maybe not as impressive for it to have been at can this year, though I have heard rumblings that it might have been in competition, which would have been a huge thing. And then to be in the main slate at the New York Film Festival with your debut is, like, pretty impressive. So I'm curious about this. Uh, then we have uh, The Calming by Song Fang, which was a Berlin movie that uh, got, like, solid reception. Uh, it's one that, like, it's interesting that to see this pop up. Uh, there's a lot of stuff from Berlin here, as we talked about, yeah. that other festivals weren't taking. And it's interesting to see this along with a lot of stuff from, like, higher-profile auteurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, City Hall. Yeah. We talked. It's at the other... It's at, is it at Venice as well? It's at Venice and TIFF, I believe. Yeah. It's premiering yeah. out of competition at Venice. Uh, we talked about it. It's the new Frederick Wiseman. Yeah, about uh, 272 minutes long. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably gonna fully whip. Yeah, I'll bet it's great. That's uh, it's his longest in a while. I think National, uh, not Nas- National Gallery is long, but uh, at Berkeley is like close. That's yeah, either like close to three. four hours or just over four hours. I, yeah, I think it's like three plus. It's. Well over three, I believe. Listen, maybe yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, three plus covers everything up to sure, four. That's fair. So I'm gonna go on record as being correct. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you um, can't be wrong that it is listen, four hours and four that. minutes. Damn. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, defeated. Colin. Yeah. What a what a loss. 
for you. Uh-huh. Who cares? We're not even going to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> Days, the Simon Long movie with uh, almost no dialogue. It, of course, stars Lee Kang Shang, who frequently works with him. Uh, it was at Berlin. I don't believe it won anything, but it was one of the more acclaimed movies out of yeah. Berlin. I think there was like some rumblings of like Golden Bear, maybe. Um, maybe. But uh, yeah, I think when we first talked about it, I had not seen any site. Uh, but mm-hmm. since like we talked about Face on our um, right. yeah. 2009 uh, jury, and then I've watched like other of his work since, and I'm like very, very pumped for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the Disciple, uh, directed by Chaitanya Tamhane, uh, is an Indian movie. I think it was, I believe it was the first Indian movie in competition at Venice since this director's previous movie, which I think was his yeah. first. Uh, I think this one's at all three also. Yeah, I'm not positive it's a TIFF, but it probably is. Uh, but yeah, I am curious. Like, that was a a movie that, like, I think maybe it was a, a little while ago. Like, I think that movie is from, like, 2012, 13. And I think maybe because he has not had a movie since then, uh, it's not a movie that, like, has stayed super present necessarily. Like, you don't hear about it a lot. But I think it was reviewed pretty well at the time. So, uh, yeah. we'll see if this one is as well. It, yeah, I mean, from its, like, sort of blurb that we've been, like, going back to on all these, it seems pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's, like, you know, probably a good omen that it's playing all these fests. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gunda, directed by Victor, Victor Kozakowski, he did that movie Aquarella that was about water a, a year or two ago that got like a, a moderately substantial theatrical release in the United States. This is about a pig. Like, think <laughs> Gunda either means pig or the pig is named Gunda or something like that. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it it's in black and white and apparently uses immersive natural sound design. Sure, so. I remember yeah. uh, hearing that without being like didactic, it does a decent job of arguing for veganism. Is kind of the the take on the movie. Uh, I Carry You With Me is a first fiction feature by uh, Heidi Ewing, who's been directing documentaries for a while. She did uh, Jesus Camp, which I feel like has been like on and off Netflix a bunch. She did that documentary about Norman Lear a couple of years ago. Uh, but this is about... Uh, to uh, a romance between two Mexican men who move to New York together. Uh, yes. It is apparently a Sony Pictures Classics. 
mm. release. Okay. Yeah, and that was like pretty well received at Sundance. I think that there, you know, there's always a lot of stuff at Sundance, and I think this was mm-hmm. not one that everyone necessarily saw. So this will be a. It, it makes sense that it would they would want it, it to pop back up yeah. at New York so that like yeah. more people will see it. Uh, next we've got two of my most anticipated films, both from the yeah. new encounters section at uh, Berlin. Uh, Isabella, the Matthias Pinheiro film, uh, which you know, like all his movies, it's like pretty brief. It's got Shakespeare stuff in it. Uh, it's got uh, Agustina Munoz and Maria Villar. Uh, I'm sure it's great. And then uh, Christy Pui's new film, Mom Krog, a 200-minute film about uh, a bunch of uh European people uh, gathering in Transylvania to talk about philosophy on Christmas Eve. On Christmas Eve, that's right. For my birthday, right up next to Die Hard for like the technically a Christmas movie. Sure, yeah. Uh, then we've got Mangrove, which is another one of the uh, Steve McQueen well, movies. This is the the one that's like two hours. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's... It seemed to be about a a tr- a trial of sorts about a Trinidadian cafe owner who got arrested for uh, p- protesting police brutality, mm-hmm. and then the sort of movement that sprung up around him. So it's like obviously Barry of the moment. Leticia Wright yes. is in it. Yeah, I was gonna say this is the one. Seems good. Give me yeah. all the McQueen you can get. Yeah, I like exactly. a movie about protesting. Mm-hmm. Give me those. Uh, those vibes. I forgot about the Mike Lee movie that I like. Peterloo. Peterloo. Give me those Peterloo vibes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'll watch uh, people give speeches into crowds. That's good for me. Uh, MLK slash FBI. Exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, documentary. Yeah, it I mean, it's a documentary. Yeah, it's, a it's a tiff. Yeah. Uh, they. They. Yeah. It's about the way that uh, the FBI uh, treated Martin Luther King Jr. Not good. Which is, uh-huh. yes, not, say, yeah, bad not, yeah. not, not, the, not the most sterling record uh, yep. of, of treatment there. <laughs> not well. Yes. Uh, it seems to be by Sam Pollard. Yep, that's right. I'm not sure. What has Sam Pollard done? Seems to have directed some sort of Sammy Davis Jr. documentary. Uh, or at yeah, least I remember it. that. Oh, he did Mr. Soul, which uh, me and Andy get emails about. Yes. <laughs> um, which I think is premiering soon. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, shout out. He apparently is also on faculty at NYU Tisch. Yep. Like. That uh, also came up when I Googled him. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it seems to just like produce a lot of like documentary and also. Oh right, I looked him up. He in the nineties he uh, edited a number of Spike Lee movies, like most of that run from Mo Better Blues to Bamboozle. There's like a few that he didn't do, but yeah, 
Right. That that's the other like thing that he is known for. Uh yeah. So Night of the Kings is uh directed by uh Philippe Lacote, uh who's the director from the Ivory Coast. Uh uh, this is his second movie, I believe, uh, and it is, I don't, th- it might be playing Toronto, I can't remember, but it's... Yeah, it's a contemporary world. Okay, yeah, Toronto. and it's also opening in, at, at Venice in the uh, Orizanti section, as well as, yeah. I believe, one other movie that is on this list. Uh, uh, yeah, it's about a it sounds like it's kind of a an arabian nights kind of uh framing device about a guy uh in prison who has to tell stories to uh keep his fellow inmates entertained uh then we've got the also aforementioned Noturno, the Gianfranco Rossi movie, playing Venice, playing Tiff, uh, his last movie won the Golden Lion at Venice, the one before that won the Golden Bear. Uh, so highly anticipated. Uh, yeah. About, uh, I think, borders in the Middle East. Yep. Yeah, sounds like, sounds interesting. Then maybe this one will win the golden like street hot dog. Does New York Film Festival do any awards? New York Film Festival <laughs> is not street a competitive dog. festival. The I'm the walking golden... here award. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the golden. The... It's all on the water. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> the golden bagel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't get them started on bagels. <laughs> the... the would never uh, eat pizza with a fork award. Ever. Who would do I mean, such a thing? It's the golden thing. Tony lip. We've, we're dancing around it. It's the golden Tony lip. Sure. Hey, <laughs> this fucking guy over here. <laughs> this the this fucking movie over here. <laughs> <laughs> the, the golden oh. <laughs> yeah. The golden pair of Tims to go in another way. Yeah. All right. right. We've got Red, White, and Blue, which is the last of the three Steve McQueen movies. This is the one that stars John Boyega. Yes, this is the 80s one, and he's like a cop who Mm -hmm. uh, experiences racism within the police force. Who would have thought? Yeah. Um, Uh, No runtime listed, right? Yes, that's the one. That's the interesting thing. Right. There's no runtime for this one. So maybe they're still working on it. But, maybe. Um, uh, I would imagine it's in like the hourish range, but right. possible that it ends up being longer. I'm excited to see this. You know. Yep. Boyega is someone I think is like a very interesting actor, and it's going to be cool to see him like stretch a bit more. Yes. I'm. Yeah. I'm excited for Boyega's future. I hope he has a lot of cool projects. Especially as as somebody who has uh, developed a more outside voice in a political yes. sphere yeah. it'd be interesting to see interviews with him after this movie and the sort of takeaways that people have from it mm-hmm. right, let's see more steve mcqueen yep. yeah exactly four hours of steve mcqueen potentially maybe even more 
I yeah. mean, yeah, he's got three that aren't even on here, so. I think two. By the end of the year, we could have, like, ten hours. I think, uh, I don't know how your math is coming out. Yes, that's <laughs> like, I was going to say, that's some crazy math. Yes. Well, it's there, a there, how long is Red, White, and Blue? It was announced as a mini series that would be six one hour episodes. So I think we're looking oh, at it? about six hours. Cause, uh, I mean, one of them's two. People right, are saying. And that was going to be two episodes. It was going to be a two parter. <laughs> Who can say? <laughs> Who can say? <laughs> Cullen's favorite when he's been caught being wrong. Mm-hmm. Who, am i wrong though who can know the there's truth? no evidence that i'm wrong <laughs> his, fa- his classic evasion of like who what is the truth really knowable stance oh, that no. he takes when he is caught what does an it. alien instrument sound like Andy? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a violin but it sounds like a french horn <laughs> next up we got the salt of tears yeah another berlin yeah uh, this one is philippe garel the venerable french filmmaker kind of Maybe slightly tangential to the new wave, he also started making movies at some point in the 60s in France. Uh, You know, I think all of his uh... movies for the last, like, 20 years have just been, like, black and white movies about how, like, love is complicated. Uh, But his last one, what was it called? Lover for a Day, uh, was quite good. Nancy Myers told us. Mm, that's right. But yeah, yeah Lover, Lover for a Day I... was with... Uh, one of the leads was his daughter, Esther Gurel. She was really good. And then I think yeah, Louis Gurel narrated I mean, it. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, he's someone I want to go into their filmography because i have not seen any but he seems like a guy i would be into yeah a lot he's got like a lot of stuff from like the last 20 years that sounds interesting like uh regular lovers i think was supposed to be quite good from like 2005 mm-hmm. yeah uh swim we talked yeah we yep the main the main character is called handsome luke apparently so it's a colon biopic hey listen <laughs> i like the sound of that <laughs> Yeah. Who can say whether or not? <laughs> Swimming Out Till the Sea Turns Blue is a documentary that was also at Berlin, directed by Zsa Zsanka, uh, in which he uh, looks like it's a discussion between three authors uh, who are gathered in the province where Zsa grew up, uh, and they discuss... Uh, the changes that have happened in Chinese life and culture over the last, like, mm-hmm. 50 years or so. I guess since the 50s. I guess that's, like, 70 years now. Yeah. Oh, well. Yep. Time passes. To... Yeah. Speaking of time... Junka. Exactly. What a transition. Folks, we're Garrett Bradley's time! Uh... Which premiered at Sundance. I feel like we've been kind of hyping it up. Like it it got, I think maybe Garrett Bradley won director. Director. Yeah, that Mm -hmm. is my memory. Is that she won director? Uh, But yeah, it's supposed to be like excellent, very excellent. Yeah, only eighty-one minutes. Uh, That's another Amazon, um, right? 
it's another Amazon. I think their plan is like uh, theatrical in quotes on October 9th and Prime on like the 20 something. Mm-hmm. I guess the 20. I'm sure we'll talk about it when it comes 14 out. 14 days later. Yeah, we'll talk about it at some point. We're all pretty uh, excited, I think. Yeah, Tragic Jungle. I mentioned that there's two movies from uh, Orizonte at Venice. This is the other one. Uh, I I don't really know anything about this director, uh, Yulene Olaizola. She's a Mexican, Mexican director. Uh, I think she's made other features. Uh, but yeah. Again, it's, like, interesting to see stuff from one of the sidebars at Venice popping up in New Mm -hmm. York. And it's also interesting given that, like, the two higher-profile Horizonte films, uh, The Lav Diaz, which actually is going to be available on Festival Scope during Venice, uh, so we might talk about that. Uh, anyone can watch it i think all over the world it's definitely available in the united states uh and then also gia coppola's mainstream has not had a north american premiere announced that's another horizonte movie the one with uh andrew garfield Casey Frey. Hawk. Oh. <laughs> sure uh, the Truffle Hunters is a documentary from Sundance about uh, dogs who hunt for truffles. Uh, I heard a lot of comparisons between it and uh, last year's Honeyland. Cullen's making like a De Niro face. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> Caught. R- red-handed classic yeah, visual to... bit on our audio <laughs> podcast it's all getting cut <laughs> <laughs> you can't no. cut these great uh this is what people come to moments. us for anyone can read this list only yeah. only we offer we'll the put experience out a picture. of reading this list while cullen does a robert de niro face <laughs> we'll put out a picture of me doing it it's pretty good i guess it's, it's uh, pretty good <laughs> yeah I mean, I recognize not, not proud it, of it, so... Yeah, it absolutely. It's it's instantly visually recognizable, is what he's I recognized doing. it as Cullen's Demiro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Undine, another Berlin competition title. Uh, Christian Petzold, his follow-up to Transit, also stars... Paula Beer and Franz Rogowski, though this one Paula Beer is the lead of. Uh, she plays yeah, like water a nymph. Kinda, yeah, yeah. Thing. yeah it's like supposed a, to be like a myth of like a water nymph. Yeah, yeah. It's supposed to be wild. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. very very excited to see it. Love yeah, transit so much. Yeah, transit's incredible. And Franz Rogowski, like Colin, can you say what you're excited about? But in in German, absolutely not. <laughs> Come on, fake German Colin I, actually refuses not, to yeah. refuses to acclimate to his surroundings. Colin actually, <laughs> no. <laughs> Listen, yeah, 
N- the woman who ran. Ran. Yeah, the, the final, finally, the final uh, main slate title. Also, the uh, the final Berlin competition title that we have is the Hong Sang Soo's new movie, uh, which Kim and he is in. Uh, and it's real good. One director. Minutes. Yep. 77 minutes. Uh, yeah, this is the one that when it was going to be, like, when it was at Berlin, they were like, and a stripped down <laughs> Hong Sang Soo. It's like, what? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be great. Hong Sang Soo never misses. Yep. Yeah. The woman who ran. So it's like, it's a, another colon biopic. I hope there's lots of action in it. <laughs> sure. A lot, of, lot it... of, a lot of woman running action. I think that'd be great yeah. to see him pivot yeah. to, towards that chase sequences. Yeah, it's a Korean remake of Run, Lola, Run. <laughs> Look, you're telling me you wouldn't see that? Starring Kim and he sure. Directed by Hong Sang-soo? I'm not sure. <laughs> Andy. I mean, it, it doesn't seem to be playing towards its strengths. It, it would be a static shot of, like, a track field. <laughs> All right. Um, we can run his through the other sections real quick. Then do some yeah. predictions, then wrap up. Uh, we talked about All In, The Fight for Democracy, which is the one that won't be available virtually. Uh, American, This is the spotlight section. Uh, mm-hmm. American Utopia, which is opening Toronto. Uh, Hopper Wells. It has an HBO premiere date as well now. Yeah, like, is it yeah, like October. October, November? Yeah, it'll be out not long after the festival. Uh, Hopper yeah, Wells what? is uh, about Dennis Hopper and Orson Wells. Well, it's not about yeah, them. It is amazing. them just uh, talking. Uh, yeah. uh, directed by Orson Wells. They found another one. He's still out here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and edited by Bob Murawski, who, of course, uh, edited uh, Drag to Me win. to Hell, which won our Palm oh. d'Or last week. Uh, The Human Voice is the Almodovar short that we talked about. Uh, It's going to be screening at the drive-in with Isabella, which is pretty short. Uh, So those two are a fun pairing. Mm -hmm. We've got... I mean, it's Almodovar's first time working in English. Yep. And yeah, It's an adaptation of a John Cocteau play. Yep. And he... I feel like there's maybe now a couple movies he has in the works. He was going to maybe make a feature-length uh, English, English yeah. par- at least maybe partially English-language movie. Yeah, to that. Was that the one with Kate uh, Blanchett? I think that was maybe just a rumor. Oh. I can't maybe. remember. But I think he's now also maybe working on something in Spain, another feature. Uh... Yeah, and then we've got On the Rocks, which will be out at some point in October, but uh, yeah. is playing here before yes. that, as it's only I, it's, it's only it festival, the, yeah. which is interesting. The American Utopia premiere date is October 17th, which I just looked up. Okay, yeah. Okay, cool. And that, yeah, that's one um, of the ones that uh, it's play. It, it's going to be on September 23rd with one of the four-hour windows. Did we want to just sort of pick and choose from current yes, stuff I think that we're so. excited about? Yeah, I, I mean, I am, I th- in general, excited about the current section. Uh, 
Yeah. But like some highlights, uh, the inheritance is, uh, I think the first feature from Ephraim Asili, uh, that and Fauna, which is the next film on the list, are two, uh, the only two Wavelengths movies at TIFF, which Wavelengths is always a really cool section. Uh, so just based on that, I'm interested in these two movies. Uh, the Inheritance is about, like, uh, or it's set in, uh, in, like, a, a house in West Philadelphia, uh, with, like, a collective of black artists and activists, and then Fauna is a Mexican film directed by Nicolas Pereira, uh, that I think he just makes, like, kind of weird little movies. Uh, this is only 70 minutes, uh. The, the last one, sentence think... of this is, but Pereira has a metafictional trick up his sleeve. <laughs> very uh, exciting. One that I know... Jesse and I are very excited about is the works and days of Tayoko Shiojiri in the Shiotani Basin. Yes, though I the, cannot uh, tell if it is actually playing at the festival. The, yeah. Like the... It might... There's Go no ahead, in-person screen. It's not like on the schedule and like yeah. the uh, the page for ticket info is like... Uh, you can get a currents package that has everything in currents, except for the working days, which what it says is, which is not available for viewing during New York Film Festival. So yeah. I don't know what that's about. Uh, that was at Berlin, also, right? Yes, it was at Berlin. It was in, yeah. I believe, it won the encounters section. Yeah, uh, but. Uh... There's uh there's a bunch of cool shorts like there's a mm -hmm. uh, I think they have like eight shorts programs. There's eight shorts programs. There's also yeah. there's a guy imagine short that is screening with a movie called There Are Not Thirty Six Ways of Getting on a Horse of Showing a Man Getting showing on a, a Horse. Man, yeah. Uh there's another another uh posthumous film, uh Directed by Raul Ruiz and co-directed and finished by his widow, uh, Valeria Sarmiento, which, uh, this sounds like it's, like, one of his earlier movies being finished, uh, very curious about that. I've only seen a little bit of, uh, Ruiz stuff, but he's super interesting. Uh, there's a couple of... Movies by Heinz Emicholt. Uh Both of yeah. those were also at Berlin. I think maybe... I think at least one of them was also in Encounters. So I think Encounters... I think I mentioned when we were talking about Berlin that, like, uh, the, the new director at Berlin came from Locarno and... Uh, encounters kind of seemed like his way of sort of bringing some Locarno flavor into Berlin and that is bearing out in that like uh Currents is a new section but like uh the kind of more experimental leaning sections that New York has had in the past I know uh 
Projections is the most recent one. Uh, it's been called Views from the Avant-Garde before. Those also would have a lot of Locarno movies, so it makes sense that we're seeing some stuff from Encounters, both in here uh, and Overtures. in the main slate. Overtures is one that seems uh, very interesting. That's like done by this uh, like art collaboration called the Living Dead Ensemble about a uh, Creole production of Monsieur Toussaint. Seems cool. Yep. Mm-hmm. Seems like an interesting thing to witness at a film festival. I'm interested yeah. in there's this movie called Slow Machine, directed by Joe DiNardo and Paul Fenton, which is also has like an ex. It seems to be cast with experimental theater performers and like exists in that vein. Though it also has Chloe Sevigny in it, right? And it seems to be like a like thriller that is has some elements of comedy and it's about like paranoia and surveillance and the, the sort of performance aspects, which like seems interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a lot of good else? stuff in, in currents. Yeah, yeah, thirty six wave of showing a man at a. Oh, sorry. The yeah. year of discovery. I was gonna say that. Yeah, I was just gonna say that the thirty six wave of showing a man getting on a horse seems up my alley. It's like it sort of paints itself as like sort of essayistic, which I'm sort of into in movies. Do I'm like into like effort fake and stuff like that right. when a movie sort of blends those worlds and in interesting. I like that all these movies are short mostly, except for like. Kaguya which is like extremely long and and then the, the year, year of discovery. discovery which is what I was about to mention is a Spanish film that is specifically uh, looking at uh, 1992 which uh, the two things that are listed here are uh, it was the Olympic Games in Barcelona and the quincentenary of Columbus's arrival in the Americas. But yeah, that's another very long one. It's two, another 200-minuter. Uh, yeah, and then, like, just, like, maybe listing some of the other directors who have shorts, uh, Jafar Panahi, uh, Domingo Sotomayor co-directed a short with uh, Carla Simone, uh, ben Rivers, Mary Helena Clark, Andrew Norman Wilson, Kevin Jerome Everson, Sophia Bodanovic, uh, Ricky D'Ambrose. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff. Uh, hope to be checking out some of those short sections. Mm-hmm. So do we want to get into predictions now? Oh, uh, do we... Uh, Real quick, revival. Oh, you wanted the revival? Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. We've got Damnation, the Bellatar film. We've got Flowers of Shanghai, the Ho Sha Shen, uh, In the Mood for Love, classic. Uh, and then I think screening together are uh, Meeting the Man, uh, which is a 27-minute a film about uh, James Baldwin, and then Muhammad Ali, the greatest, about Muhammad Ali. Uh, Smooth Talk, which is uh, the first lead uh, Laura Dern performance, directed by Joyce Chopra. And then Xiao Wu, which is uh, Jia Zhangke's first film, and Zero for Conduct, a Jean Vigo mid-length feature. Now we yeah, can get some into of, some predictions. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was just gonna say that some of these movies were like picked out by directors who have movies in other sections. Right. Uh, in projections, uh, Ephraim Asili uh, chose one of these movies, I think. Yes. Um, uh, I will say a title that is hard for... It's the one with the title that is hard for us to say. Right. I almost said it, and then I'm glad you stopped me. Because <laughs> uh, I was yes. not paying that much attention. Yes. The Blank Who Sat By The Door by Ivan Dixon is, was chosen by Ephraim Massili, who has The Inheritance. And I think one of these is a Steve... I think the John Vigo one is despite Steve McQueen picked it mm, out. Okay. That makes sense. So yeah, and all yeah, and obviously Jiao Wu. There's like a Yajanka connection there. Yeah. So do we want to make predictions for uh, the Golden Lion and uh, Tiff People's Choice? Hell yeah! Yes. Well, I guess this is how we're closing out the episode, right? This is our last thing that we're doing. Yeah. Yes. I mean, uh, yeah. Um, And you you won the Golden Lion. Golden I won bear. the golden bear. Yeah, golden bear. Yes. So, so do I have to get to you, make the first pick of? You make the first pick. Just for the a golden reminder line. of uh, some of the past winners. We had Joker last year. <laughs> uh, oh, did that win? Roma. Yeah, Roma the year before, and Shape of Water before that. Uh, yeah, not. It's hard to hard to make conclusions based on that because there's not anything in this lineup that really like falls in line with I mean, those movies, yes. I feel like. This could Except be the... for Nomadland. Yeah, the first it... Rosie of the decade. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I picked Nomadland for Can. Palm. Maybe I'll just roll with, with that. I'll, I'll roll with Nomadland for my Venice wow. pick. Jesse, do you have a pick? Sure. Uh, New Order, the Michel Franco movie. He feels uh, oh, like a not necessarily super acclaimed director who is maybe nonetheless due for a major festival award just based on popping up all the time in uh, big festival competitions between Cannes and Venice. Emilio? Emilio, do you have a pick? I'm thinking about it. So, jury president is Kate Blanchett. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was. She gave the palm the ore to shoplifters. Mm-hmm. She sure did. Is there is there a shoplifters here? I don't think so. Do you know any Probably gossip behind not. that jury, Jesse, or anyone um, else? Hmm. It's like Blanchett, Matt Dillon, Joanna Ha, Christian Petzl, Veronica Franz, Nicola La- Lahiola, Ludwig Song here. Okay. I'm going to say, I'm going to pick Noturno. Wow. I'm going to stick with it. Um, I'm no- going to... Yeah, Colin. And then we go in reverse order, and then you have to pick your people's choice first. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Sure. Okay, so I'm going to go... Hmm. I'm going to just... I'm going to go Wife of a Spy. 
Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Seems I like almost cool went movie. with Black Clover Spy. Yeah. I, I guess the assumption there is that Kate Blanchett likes the Japanese movies. Uh, no, it just seems cool. Um, it's one that I like. I I feel like it won't be the Mona Fastfold, which is like the other one I'm pr- pretty much the most excited about. Um, but uh, yeah, so I feel like that's a safe pick for me. I've never been right, so what do I got to lose? <laughs> um, and then for Tiff, yeah, uh, you know, People's Choice usually goes to like a sort of Oscar Beatty in a way. Like it was like Green Book and Joker, or Joker, Jojo Rabbit. Mm-hmm. Um, they will occasionally go for something funky. A little weird. Yeah. I don't and this certainly... expect that to be this year, but I mean, maybe there's more potential for that. I mean, who knows? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's hard to say this year. Uh, I'm going to go. Um, you know, because it's. What's the thought process? So you think, because it's open to public voting, right? And it's all online, so you think more people will see. I'm going to go Ammonite. That's a good pick. Ammonite is the thing that is the hardest to get the tickets to. Yeah. Well, the way they do it, though, uh, is it's based on percentages. right? So it's like, which which movie had the greatest percentage of ticket buyers vote for it, basically, I think is what they do. That's interesting, because things that... And that's uh, like a way that, like, adding extra screenings can hurt a movie. Right. Because, like, it, it makes it more people see it like that's like yeah, if you yeah. don't vote and i imagine like i'm sure you know when you're at the festival they're like make sure to go vote right like if they're i would not be surprised if like you're watching the movie as soon as it ends a little window pops up like do you want to vote for this in people's choice yeah but yeah okay. i'm sticking with ammonite ammonite's probably the pick i guess I have to go good Joe Bell. That was something I was like thinking the, about, too. Boy. As, like, the other thing in that vein. That'd be something. Of, like, it's, like, Oscar-y. It's in English. Which one's that? That's, That's the like Mark Wahlberg. Oh, yui. Battles Homophobia yeah. movie or whatever. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's my pick. Jesse? I'm going to go with The Father, which sounds bad. Sure. <laughs> Uh, I that's mean, the Vigo, yeah. or no? No, that's no, the that... Anthony Hopkins as Oscar. Right, right. Movie. I was gonna say Fall Falling, which is the Vigo, was my second pick because it was just like the Vigo of it all. Maybe. Yeah, that's interesting. My pick, I, the my the one that I was gonna go with first is still on the board. I was gonna, One Night in Miami. I think it like has a real shot. Yeah, at I it. was thinking that, that as well. people feels love... like a classic second third place to me. Yeah, I feel like yeah. my gut was like that'll be too good. <laughs> Which no offense to Ammonite, I'm sure Ammonite is going to be good as well. People like Francis Lee, but I feel like yeah, sometimes yeah, it'll that uh, my second pick, which like another one that seems good, but I was like, there's no way was American Utopia, but uh, yeah, American Utopia certainly. Uh, American Utopia seems like the number two to me. Seems like the people like it and everybody wants to watch more of it, and then it just ends up second place, so people don't get to. That was my yeah. I was like. That seems because I remember that like the year I was at Toronto, everyone was like, "It's got to be Star Wars Born." It's the one everyone wants to see again. <laughs> and then it was like, "Oh, Green Book." <laughs> right. Well, and there were rumors of like where Gaga stands. Oh like, yes, stuffing the ballot box so they the ruled little it monsters. Like yeah, there's yes. there's like a lot of questions about how uh, about how um, a paw in the ballot box. Yes. Um, Some paws. Well, in that year, because well, this because. 
wasn't um Beale Street was like in second or third place? Yeah, it? Beale Street. Yeah, was it, it was two. like a weird thing where it was like and Romo, like Green Book, and then it was Roma Beale Street. Beale Street. Yeah, like, two infinitely better movies than Green. Book. And then it was like yeah, it was like Yo Jojo, and then Marriage Story. What and, was the other um, one? Uh, what was the other one? Well, uh, Parasite. I don't know if it was Parasite. It might have been maybe? Parasite. Parasite did very but well. Yeah. I think Parasite was one where it was maybe hurt because they had to keep adding screenings. Yes, right. yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, we're back to the format of predicting things. Yes, you know, as we these predictions up. will come to fruition. When is Venice Winners announced? Do you know, Jesse? Uh, I think uh, the... Will we be recording an episode that week? 12th, we maybe. I think we might be discussing them on a bonus episode. We'll see. Sure. Yeah. Right, yeah, I guess, yeah. Coming up, it is festival month. Uh, we are hoping to provide uh, some bonus coverage of most of the festivals and what we can assemble as far as like what we have access to and people we know who have access to things. So yes. do keep an eye out for that on the horizon. In addition to the regular Friday apps, which we have all booked out and it seems we're pretty solid on what those are going to be, that you might be getting some extra stuff in your feed. So keep yeah. an eye out for yeah. that. And um, just uh, go back to something. It was Parasite was the second runner. Yeah, cool. There we go. And what a note to end on. Cullen's right yet again. Yet again. <laughs> folks, yet again. Folks, That's what this podcast is knowing, known for. Tweet, Cullen yeah. being right tweet, about tweet, things. Tweet at Cullen about something he's wrong about to really bring him down a peg, folks. That's your task for the week. Yeah. In addition to leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Peg Cullen online. <laughs> yeah. And after you leave us a false start, uh, a false five star. star, a five-star review on iTunes... <laughs> You can follow us on uh, Twitter at Can I Kick It or on Letterboxd at CIKI Pod. You can find me on either of those platforms at JP Glick Weber. Uh, and uh, last Jesse week, plug. last Here month, uh, controversially, I used oh, my no. plugs to uh, <laughs> plug tracks from Fish's Baker's Dozen. I'll be using the next. 10 weeks to prove that I in fact have excellent music taste by plugging the 10 greatest albums of all time. Uh, and this week I'm gonna go with uh, another fish album. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm gonna go Baker's with Dozen 2. <laughs> the Microphones is uh, The Glow Part 2. Uh, a double album uh, first track I Want Wind to Blow a phenomenal song, uh, like weird kind of uh, garagey, uh, sometimes veering into ambient. Uh, phenomenal album, one of the ten best of all time. And uh, yeah. in the following nine weeks, we will discover what the other nine greatest albums of all time are. And you're you're going bottom to top? Nope, no order. No particular order. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a fun what a fun thing for our listeners to yep. invest in. <laughs> yeah. Um all right. I, I would like to ask, do you already have this list mapped out or are you I've got, like, making it up as you go along? Yeah. <laughs> Folks He's got ten uh, weeks, Amelia. Yeah, he's got yeah. a lot of time. I mean you gotta have like four of them by the end of next week, I guess. But uh yeah, well, We'll figure it out. I said I have half of them. Yeah, <laughs> more than four. Okay, sure. <laughs> and 
Um, yeah, my name's Andy Gramuga. You can follow me online at Andy T. Germ, A-N-D-Y-T-G-E-R-M. Uh, I will plug, uh, the, uh, uh, the 2008, uh, Tony Awards performance of Everything's Coming Up Roses, uh, with Patti Lapone. They do the whole scene before that number. It's the greatest Tony performance of all time, and it brings wow. me so much joy. Are you gonna do the other nine? <laughs> Maybe I Counter will. Maybe I'll, ma- maybe I'll match. Maybe I'll match Jesse with the, the best Tony Awards performances because there is going to be a Tony's this fall, and who knows what it'll be. All right. I thought the Tony's were in the um, spring. Usually, okay. I don't know if you heard. There's this pandemic. So they moved it up. No, they they can't. They they never did it this okay. past spring. I see. And so they're going to do something for this last season. Okay. We could talk about it off air. This doesn't need to get discussed on the podcast. No, I don't think we need to talk about it anymore. I understand <laughs> now. <laughs> all right. Will the lightning uh, thief take it all home? Big questions. Emilio. I think it's Colin's turn. Yeah, I'll go if you don't mind, Andy. <laughs> um, There's no. Uh, we can do whatever despite, we want. This, despite what I want, it, Colin has to speak at the end. Um, I'm Clatchley on everything, C-L-A-T-C-H-L-E-Y, and, and a bit of a somber plug, we didn't really mention it all, but, uh, great actor, Chadwick Boseman passed away since we recorded last, I'd plug, uh, we talked about The Five Bloods, he gives an incredible performance in that, yes. that's only gonna, like, last, I think, in minds and hearts, uh, and I would say his whole filmography, and just... And, like, the news that has come out about things that he's done, like, I was not very aware of him as a person. He just seems like one of the best, and it's just a true, true tragic loss. So, yeah, yeah plug Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. And let the people you love uh, know that you love them. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then, yeah. You can follow me on Letterboxd at I Laugh Alone. You can follow me on Twitter at I'm Laugh Alone. The podcast theme song is by Tree Related. You can find him at SoundCloud.com slash Tree Related or on Spotify as Tree Related. He makes good music. You should check him out. That is all I have to say. And with that, then I can release our audience. Bye. 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 Bye.